This is SOMCAST, a wine podcast created by the BC Chapter of the Canadian Association of Professional Sommeliers. We're committed to bringing you great conversations from wine professionals around British Columbia. So pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. This is part two of a two-part series with Ike Seaman, the food and beverage director and head sommelier of the Wiccaninish Inn and the Point Restaurant. Now, in part one, we followed Ike through an incredible hospitality journey. Now, here we are, part two, planting ourselves in the Wiccaninish Inn, ready to hear about the evolution of the wine program and where it's at right now. And we had an internal wine test that we had to pass, you know, to to work at night. And I was like, geez, I better, I, you know, I better brush up my wine skills because you know, the old main red is, uh, it's only one selection, you know, it's like, a, you need to know a little bit more. So that I started studying, I started studying wine, you know, and, and I felt like an idiot because I was just like, I don't, I don't know anything about wine. So the more I studied, the more I learned, obviously, and the more I realized I still needed to learn. And uh, so then I, I got a lot more serious. I, I passed that internal wine exam, but I knew it's like, I, I need, I need more than this. And, and, you know, through the time that I had spent in restaurants, you know, service was always a focus. It was always about the service, about the service. But now, you know, my, my, my focus was turning to wine. I really wanted to learn about wine and the world of wine. And, and like, say, the more that I learned, the more I wanted to learn and, and, you know, it just was constantly growing and evolving and expanding. And the BC wine industry is, as well was, you know, it was taken off like crazy. And, you know, so it was very, and it still is, you know, like that very exciting to be part of the wine, you know, part of the wine world. And um, so I went to the owner and I said, you know, I want to become the wine manager. And because uh, the, the wine list was only a side job of the restaurant manager and and it needed more focus than that and i wanted to learn so, so I, you were learning more about wine all of a sudden you have started to have these oh we could do this and there's yeah uh, i can hear some ambition starting to grow and you went right yeah. the, <laughs> no and, and we have it all right fortunately you know the director of operations and the owner you know thought it was a good idea even though i knew nothing about managing inventories and wine lists and all that so i started studying for my sommelier you know courses i did the level one i did level two and um and i was on track to to um work into my diploma and um so while i was here you know, we kind of fine-tuned the selections that were on the list, the purchases, you know, where, where I felt before people were purchasing what they wanted to drink, you know, didn't necessarily always match our food program. What was and, the example of that for, like, I, I get that lists become very, they, they balloon up over different yeah. areas with what the fancy yeah. of the certain buyer is. And then what was the, some of the choices or what were some of the, no, do you remember we, some things where yeah. like, oh, this is on here because it serves the guests, it serves the food, it serves the purpose of the restaurant. You know, for example, at the time there was stuff like Chateau Margaux on there and, you know, the price was huge. And, you know, we, the clientele coming to the WIC at that time weren't Chateau Margaux buyers. 
you know, and, you know, so those wines were, they were just show pieces and there was, you know, about a thousand bottles that were probably not going to sell anytime soon and really didn't, you know, and, and there was nothing in between, in between, you know, there was our BC price point and, you know, thousand dollar bottles and, and nothing to bridge the gap. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, I've been looking at these bottles for five years, and, you know, they're just sitting there and they're looking pretty. And obviously, you know, they have value because they'll, they can stick around, but I said, you know, it, it wouldn't be more fun if we had wines that we could sell and still have really good value and, and be a talking point. So, you know, I love Bordeaux, they love Bordeaux, but, you know, I, I kind of, um, like I say, refocused the list a little bit and made purchases that I felt were more valuable to the guests and and to the clientele, you know. So we really wanted to maintain our, our local focus. So our list is really BC-based, um, but Pacific Northwest, you know, there's a lot of Washington, Oregon, California, although we need more Washington wines. Um, but we noticed right away California was a hit. So we started looking at different California wines that, you know, were good value, not super accessible, um, that, you know, anyone who had a little bit of geekiness, you know, on wine, we, oh, that's a cool wine. I'll, you know, I'll order that. And then, you know, Burgundy was a big part of, of our, you know, it just kind of evolved that way. Burgundy, we still maintained a really good Bordeaux selection, but we've, refocus the the price points a little bit we still have some expensive bottles but i worked a lot um you know with michael cody from rooftop sellers you know he really helped me a lot you know finding wines that were good value with a good drinking window at a good price that you just weren't going to buy on the shelves and so people started recognizing that we had some interesting wines on our list we had a really nice scale of price points and um, and and it you know allowed us to play a lot more with our tasting menus, and and then we slowly started developing you know a bit of uh, wine education with our team, and and that's kind of where it's evolved to now. And and I mean since I've I was able to get my sommelier diploma, which was a a huge thing for me. You know that it uh, not knowing how important it was until you're actually involved in it and. And then achieving that certificate, you know, really, it, it meant a lot to me and I'm very grateful for the people that I've met and, and, you know, DJ, you know, DJ really very well was just an amazing um, instructor and teacher and, you know, so wanting to kind of continue with that, you know, I've learned, I, I myself really enjoy learning about wine not that i'm a good student because i'm definitely not I'm gonna ask dj next time we see her what kind of what kind of student yeah. Ike, what, or is. yeah you remember i that's it's a really interesting story like I, I love i can just picture what that must have been like to go through with seeing the the bc price points just that's what most people would come in and buy and then there's a whole bunch of stuff gathering dust that is extremely yeah. valuable will continue to grow in value but 
it sucks yeah. once a year maybe we get to yeah. open the bottle kind of thing do you remember any of the maybe unexpected or smashing successes that when you started to put on that little sweet spot of whatever that was 70 to 90 to 110 of any things yeah. that was like we bought in four cases and four cases were gone like in a few days do you remember those yeah. you know one of one of the really fun ones that we were able to get our hands on was the Kai Sarah out of Washington and and you know I you know it, again I was still learning you know so I'm pouring through the wine magazines and I'm reading these things I'm like man that sounds like a pretty cool wine how can I get my hands on that and then you know a lot of what I was doing at the time was literally phoning the wineries giving them my story saying who I was and asking hey is your wine available in Canada and most of them said no and it's not gonna be but a few of them said yeah you know for sure we'll we're in Canada here's our agent um, but our wines, you know, are pretty allocated because of the, you know, volume, we hardly make anything. So I started, you know, making connections with the different agencies and, you know, learning how the game of if you buy this, you'll get that works. And, but really developing relationships with the people within the agencies and really trying to focus on quality wine and not a price point, but really focus on quality wine and wine that we could bring in that was special um, and would really give our guests an opportunity to have something, whether they're spending 80 bucks or $800, you know, everything really to make them feel special and have a good quality glass of wine at the same time. And, you know, so we had a few exclusives. Um, what was the name of that winery? It was the uh, outpost on Howell Mountain. You know, they make at that time, I don't know, 3,000 cases of wine. And I called him. I said, oh, I want some of your wine. He said, yeah, well, you know, I don't think this is really going to work out because how, you know, for us to get it there. And, you know, I think we waited a year and a half for that wine. And, you know, I made an introduction to an agent. You know, at one point I was like, well, I'll just create my own agency and then I'll import the stuff myself. But you know, I don't know what the rules are now, but back then you weren't, you weren't allowed to be a buyer for a hotel and an agent at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just lie, but I'm not a very good liar. So I didn't <laughs> do that. So, um, you know, but I, you, we ended up getting a bunch of cool stuff like that in and, and then, you know, working with some of the other agencies that, have really great selections on their list you know then i was getting phone calls say hey i can always get 10 six packs of this coming in are are you interested in one and yeah i'd love a six pack or that and you know so it it just slowly evolved to to today and we're still doing that but the difference you know the thing now that we're doing a little bit better than what we were before is is our education and you know we're really trying to establish ourselves is not just a place to work but a place that you can also learn and you know we haven't we're it's still you know on the development table um, but we're we're working on putting together a really structured program so that when we are looking at new employees we can say hey as well as having a job at what we think obviously is a pretty cool spot you know you have a chance to learn about this and here's our Here's our program. And, you know, we've built a really, 
intensive is not the right word, but a really thorough beverage guide that's part of our training manual. And it, you know, it teaches how, how is beer made and what's the differences in beers and spirits and wines and so on. So it, it's really come quite a long way. We still have a requirement that people uh, have at least a, you know, ISG or WSET level two kind of equivalent to work at night. And if they don't have, um, you know, something certified from an organization, we still have an internal wine exam that we hand out to people to pass. Um, and we give them, you know, uh, material to study from, you know, so we're not just blindly throwing things at them. Uh, but we really want to to develop that, and and I really, you know, I like I say I'm not a really good student, but I really enjoy learning. But I also enjoy teaching, and I find the more you teach, the more you learn yourself. And and not that you know I'm I'm my when I look at everybody around, you know, my level of knowledge is just a fraction of the people that you know. I look at in, in and around Vancouver and, and I admire them, but, you know, I was like, the more I teach, the more I learn, but I always tell everyone, you know, just because I'm teaching you this or, you know, working with our sommelier team and, and they're now doing a lot of this stuff. It's like, you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to point them in the right direction. And, you know, that I think keeps, keeps it fun and keeps it fun for the people um, who are learning as well. Cause it's, you know, you don't, it should be fun. It shouldn't be intimidating. It shouldn't be scary. You know, there's a lot of big words and hard to pronounce things. And it's like, what the heck is that process? And, you know, so just dialing it back and, and keeping it fun and upbeat and educational at the same time, all while having really great wine. It's like you're and, initiating a sense of discovery when you're pointing somebody in a direction, which yeah, opinion, I could, it, it, it just helps to fortify because the, uh, the knowledge becomes authentic when you go seek it out and then you in, integrate it on your own. So that's yeah. a great strategy to do that. Are all of your, your education programs and the tests all things that you and your team have made up like their own, like I wouldn't, wouldn't find them anywhere else except for the the way here. Right? You know, I'm not gonna lie, we have plagiarized a lot of it, <laughs> a lot of stuff, you know, but we use the tools or you know, Wine Folly and Guild Psalm and you sure, know the yeah. W set and I've stolen stuff out of the ISG program and and I have you know I do that guilt free because you know to me it's knowledge and you should you should share that information as best you can and so what are some but, of your favorite things to, to teach and to impart. Or when you, well, when, what are some things that people, when, when you share with them, like, oh, like that's you know, the satisfying part for me, but. Yeah, the, it, and it's one of the most difficult things, you know, to really wrap your head around at the beginning. So I, one thing that I really try to instill in people when they're first starting out is learn how to taste properly, like learn how to taste properly. What do you see? What do you smell? What do you taste? And, and those kind of things, you know, because you can give, like Sauvignon Blanc's an easy one. You pour a glass of Sauvignon Blanc for 10 people, and you yourself know this wine is high acid, it's very bright, it's very fresh, you know, and you can really be super geeky. It's piercing acidity, it's round acidity, it's blah, blah, whatever. But you can say, okay, on a basic level, tell me if this is low, medium, or high acid. 
and you have a group of people and you'll get that range on a wine that you know is very high in acidity. You say, okay, here's first, it's, it's everybody's tasting acidity, noticing the acidity, that's a win. But here's how we're going to teach you the difference between high acid and low acid. And this is what you're going to experience on your palate when you do that. And for a lot of people, you're like, oh, okay. And then you have a little piece of food with it. And it's like, now I get it. You know, so that, that acid and sweetness, sweetness people get really, usually pretty easily. But acidity, a lot of people struggle with, especially in red wines. They, you know, sometimes it's hidden. There's a lot of tannin in there. They don't notice the acidity. And, you know, so teaching people how to really um, separate those uh, sensations and tastes and flavors, I think is, it's neat when people are like, oh, right. You know, so we did, we did a wine yesterday and going around the room, it's like, so what, what are you experiencing? Oh, well, it, it also was a Sauvignon Blanc. So that, that's why it came to my head so quick. But, you know, one guy kept saying, well, I just keep getting lemon cream. And I said, ah, ha, ha, okay, we're going to come back to you. What else, what, what's everybody else say? Why this, 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 you know, and everybody was pretty good. You know, they're pretty on track. And I said, okay, so let's go back to this lemon cream thing. What, what's happening here? Like what, what's this creamy texture you're talking about? And he said, I don't know, you know, it just, after it goes off your palate, it sort of coats my mouth. It's blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, you are a hundred percent right. There is texture in this wine and texture is a very difficult thing to teach people. You know, it's like, and to me, I really, I really like Mike Barté, his wines all have fantastic texture, you know, and, and when I taste his wines, I'm like, oh, this is, they're like heaven in a glass. But wines that have texture, to me, really add that level of complexity. And when people start sensing that, it's like, okay, you can see the level of sophistication in their palate before they even recognize it. It's like, remember that, remember that, what that is. And, and those, you know, it really goes, those little hints when people start picking up on that, it's like, oh, that's, that's amazing. And, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, well, how am I supposed to sell a wine based on texture? And I said, well, it's a story. You just have to tell them a story. You have to romance it. Like when somebody asks you, oh, the fish and chips story. Hey, can you explain your fish and chips? Yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. We can use either cod or halibut. My favorite is cod because it has a little bit more of an oily um, consistency to it. So when it's deep fried, it's not dry. It's really delicate. And we use beer in our batter. And that beer makes the batter really fluffy and light and super crunchy. So that's a selling point. Oh, the fish is moist and delicate with a really crunchy texture. Well, what about the wine, you know? So tell a story, tell people if they're drinking, it's like, how is this going to be to me? And, and you just, you don't have to tell a huge song and dance and go into the soil, you know, and what t-shirt the winemaker was wearing when he made the wine, you know, like, there's a whole lot of things, but just have it pick out a couple of things about each wine that ring a bell to you. Oh, lemon cream. Oh, I just love the creamy lemon texture of this wine. You know, with the fish and chips, 
It'll balance that richness of the fish. You know, little things like that. Make a story, make your own story, and just tell a short story. And people will be more inclined to go, oh, that's fantastic. Or if they just want whatever they want, bring them a little bit. Hey, you know, you're enjoying this. And I thought, well, this is a really something special that we have on by the glass right now or blah, blah, whatever the story is. This is why I like it with what you're having. I thought I'd bring it down for you to try. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but you know, you're, you're introducing them to something new. You're introducing the guests to something new. And, and to me, you know, everybody, everybody, a lot of times people drink exactly what they know. Ah, I only drink California Cab. Okay, California Cab, nothing wrong with that. Love California Cabs. What is it that you like so much about it? Oh, well, I just like da-da-da-da-da. Fantastic. So you serve them the California Cab and then use our what we have available on the tasting menus or whatever and, and bring them a little taste. I know you love California Cab. Hey, have you tried this Tempranillo? It's also a really big, bold red wine. It's got really vibrant fruit. It's nice, ripe. Here, have a little sip of this. And the guest tries it, and if they like it, they're like, ding, okay. Hey, tomorrow, when you come back for dinner tomorrow, let's try, you want to try something new? So it's fun for the guest, it's fun for the server, and we've got enough selection in the cellar that we can do that now, you know? And and to me, I think that, you know, you just keep the journey going. And Is your team empowered that during the service like that, if you have a certain requirement for your dinnertime service, it sounds like for a minimum or a baseline of knowledge, that the server is out there when they see an opportunity, they can say, great, I can pour a taster. I can bring a half glass. I can do whatever I need to do. It's almost like all of the classroom work that you were doing before, then all of a sudden shows up in a certain way on the floor. The server gets to experience their discovery now out there on the, on, at the table. And then the guest hopefully gets something as a, yeah. as an enlightened or a surprising, you little, know, and table side something and you know we're we're a business we need to make money obviously we want high sales we want high average checks the servers want high grass you know so to do that you you need to create the experience and you know one thing we steer away from is upselling and suggestive selling it's like we're we're not we're not here to push sales we're here to create an experience and in doing that when we introduce that tempranillo to the california cab drinker you know, you are creating an experience and you're allowing the guests to make their own choice, but you, you can lead them into a path that has different, a different price point structure. You know, we don't say, oh, I think you should have this one. We say, here's what we have available. I think you'd really enjoy these items based on your California cab experience. And, and we always say to the guests too, it's a zero risk environment. If you don't like it, we'll sell it by the glass. You know, there's wow. there's there's zero risk. You know, and and so it you know to us and and we've had people. You know, they've opened up some pretty expensive wines, and they're like, you know what? This is not what I was hoping it would be. Mm. I understand. I get it. I'm sorry. Let's let's try something else. I'll take it off the table. And you're like, oh shit! How are we gonna get our money back on that? Because yeah, well, that's a $500 retail bottle. So you figure a glass is a hundred bucks each. Who's going to pay for Who's going to buy that? Not everyone, you know, so you have to be really careful with it. But, you know, we take that bottle of wine, 
we market it specifically to people. We make sure we have it preserved as best we can. You know, we work with the price point. And, and again, it, it's an experience, but, you know, it's really about creating that environment for the guests. We're not pushing things on guests. We're just introducing them to different options. And, so like and a the, very generous hospitality experience that you've created at the yeah. restaurant. I was kicking myself that I've never actually been there. <laughs> but well, yeah, yeah, you totally to get what yeah. I thought, for sure, for sure. And, and, you know, those things go all the way back to Doug Fowler. Just give people what they want, hmm. you know, and, and it's just, it's simple. It's like, you know, I remember we had this really wealthy family. They were in their private 747, literally flying around the world for a three-month vacation or five-month vacation. And they were sitting at the table and as you can expect, people, some people with a fair amount of money are quite specific on what they want. And rightfully so. I, I'm, I'm not that wealthy, but I'm pretty specific on the things that I want and how I want them delivered. So this guy, he wanted crushed ice for something. He wanted his bread roll toasted with the soft bread removed. His wife wanted her tea a very specific temperature. And I remember everybody be like, oh my God, I have to deal with this guy again. And oh, this is ridiculous. And why can't? And I said, what's the big deal? So he wants his buns toasted and the soft bread removed. Just take care of it. And then, of course, you know, it, he ended up sitting in my section. And the guy looked at me and he said, so is this going to be a problem for you too? And I said, I don't see what the problem is, sir. You want your buns toasted with the soft bread removed. I can do that. Okay. And I understand your wife likes her tea. At, I can't remember the temperature range, but yeah. at this temperature, I said, and I took the thermometer out. I said, I have a thermometer. I'll check the temperature of the tea before I serve it to her. And I said, you know, you want crushed ice. Well, we don't have an ice crusher, but I'll take a bag of ice out in the back and beat it down to small pieces for you. I'm like, it's just ice. It's just a piece of bread. It's just ice and it's hot tea. Like there's no big deal. So I did that. And then every time he came in for the rest of his stay, he's like, can I please sit night section? You know, and he was, the, there were the nicest family on the planet. All they wanted was just a few simple things, you know, and I think it's not that hard. 90% of what we hear is not that hard. Just give people what they want. Well, I like, I like my thing this way. It's like, okay, enjoy it that way, you know. Like, why, why force someone to have it? a way that isn't the way they want you know like you're spending money you came here for an experience might be a little different than what we offer but we'll do it to the best of our ability and, and if we can't we won't but if we can why not you know and and that that really has always stuck with me and i think you know i go <laughs> sometimes uh you know in a restaurant i'm a little bit particular and i'll ask oh can i have this without that with this instead of that and you know, I remember with my sister one time, she's like, oh, my God, like, can't you just order like a normal person? It's like, oh, I thought I am because that's what I do all the time. But, I am confident but, in what I want. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, such, such a, I love just the stories of the, the genuine, like really genuine, the care, the hospitality. It just I, I knew that about you. And then to hear the actual stories of, uh, of you in action like that are just they're just really inspiring. I know we have, we have gone over the time that I promised you here. We're at 1230. I just wanted to see uh -huh. if you had a, where you were at, if you had a few minutes to wrap up or you are 
no, accepted I'm, and required I'm somewhere. No, I'm like the they're good on the floor. I, I you know, if they know that I'm gonna be chatting for a little bit. So yeah, they're they're good there. And so I'm I'm good to chat for a little bit longer if you want. Then gotcha. yeah, I'm just curious just about some of the things that you're excited about right now. Like as we've been speaking, for example, like if I was to come in for my first time at the Wiccan Mission and you were there, I'd just be like, okay, I just bring me a glass of white, bring me a glass of red, and I'll be content. Whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, of everything that you have right now and what you're excited about and and it's not and all my parameter is is that give me something that i know that this guy ike is excited about right now yeah well what, what, would, you, what would you pour you know we well if we had it right now i always love italian wines always have loved italian wines because italian wines have a lot of freshness in them even the bigger ones but if we if the opportunity was right you know right now I don't know what it is with Barolos but they're just so heavenly perfumed they're bold and elegant all at the same time you know to me the the wines just have they're like turbocharged Pinot Noirs you know they're there's so much going on in those glasses that I I can't get enough of them. Um, Beautiful. But, able to introduce that to somebody who may be familiar with Pinot Noir, may have know or have heard of Barolo. And, and I always drink them and pour them in Pinot glasses. Mm. You know, they're they're to me it's just I don't know that I just love those wines so much. Um, I'll take it. How about, yeah. how about <laughs> And then, you know, I'm trying to think we had this white wine the other day and it's some weird, obscure grape, but Fiolano feel something. Anyway, not specific to a grape, but, you know, so we had that Albarino tasting the other day, or I guess a few weeks ago. Okay, yeah. Um, were you in that one or was that after? I was not there, no. Ah, okay. Well, to that style that you see, you find it in Albarino, you find it in Sancerre, you find it in Chablis, you know, you find it in some of those uh, northern Italian Pinot Gris, um, not the really light, fresh Pinot Grigio, but the, the more, you know, weighty Pinot Gris. It's in, in, in um, Mike Bartet's Semillon. You know, in wines like that, you know, you can, when you're smelling those, like that Chablis store, you know, you're smelling that, you can literally smell the salt, the clay, you know, they, they go so well with oysters. You know, if you took an old oyster shell and smelled it, it smells like the beach. You know, you can smell that in the wine. And again, the texture of those wines to me, you know, wine in that style, I, I, can't get enough of you know they're just they're bright they're fresh they've got lots of creamy texture on the palate and they're so you can have a glass you can have a glass with food you can have a glass before food after food with your food why not have two you know like that style of wine i i absolutely love and and the other thing is you know they're they're very they're not scary wines you can pour them for a really broad spectrum of people and a lot of people who haven't had them, they'll be like, oh, that's fantastic, you know? And I know again, what you mean. I was actually, I was sitting at the, I, I love that you brought this up 
like I was sitting on the patio last week at Ug um, Ugly Dumpling here on the commercial drive. I'm not sure if you had a chance to go there. It is incredible. Pouring muscadet by the glass Ooh, right now. And the muscadet, that same thread of, uh, of Northern Italy, of the Sancerre, of the Chablis, of the Albarino. There is just the, the new, the seaside neutrality, the, 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 yeah, everything is delicate in a way that when it's put together is just it's just yeah. sheer refreshment yeah and there, there i don't think or i haven't heard other than just being a quenching refreshing style if we can make a category for that i don't know it's all i want to drink for white wine it sounds like it's all you want to drink for white wine and it's easy for other people will never kick yeah. those wines it, out of bed it, so to speak it, you know it doesn't you know a lot of a lot of um for a wine to have a lot of depth doesn't have to be this smash you in the face wine. Matter of fact, I find the more refined wines are, the more depth and flavor they actually have. You know, which is why I like that Barolo so much. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it, like I say, it's, they're elegant and bold all at the same time. You know, they're floral, yet they have this weird licorice tar thing going on. They've got this tea leafy, you know, they're, they're just there's so much happening in that glass. And like Pinot Noir, you know, I always keep the pour short, but, you know, you keep swirling that wine. Every time you smell it, you have a new experience. Every time you taste it, there's another experience. And, you know, that, that to me is what really makes them special. And again, they don't, they don't have to be these killer expensive bottles of wine. That Sauvignon Blanc that we were trying the other day is what, 25 bucks. It's Le Vieux Pen. It's has a little bit of barrel aging you know it just it's just really well made and you know that's also what i really like you know you're asking the things that i'm excited about and the bc wine industry you know is and sadly i haven't been to the okanagan in two years and it is if i didn't live by the ocean i would live in the okanagan and i'm still trying to figure out how i can spend more time in the okanagan um but uh you know that that will come but you know the wines that people are making in the Okanagan are incredibly good. And, you know, we are fortunate at the WIC that we have an international group of people working here. And we have, not in the last year or two, um, international guests. And when those people come here and they taste our local wines and they say, oh, my gosh, I had no idea how good this was. Yeah. You know, that, that really says a lot to me, you know, because you think it's like, well, they're from Bordeaux. Like, how can our wine be good if they're from Bordeaux? You know, and and that you know I think is is really very exciting. And for you know for the guests visiting us too, you know they get to really dive into the wines. That's so it, right there. Yeah. Yeah. BC wine industry. It's incredible to. I would like to say I wish I could be a, have a bigger part of it than just buying and selling the wines, um, but it's it's a really exciting to have all those connections in the Okanagan and have friends who are making wines. And when I do get to visit again, you know, we, like you, you know, you, you plunk around in the back of the winery and someone pulls something out of a tank or out of a barrel for you to try. And you're like, wait, what do you think of this? And, you know, all of those things, like, ah, it's pretty fun to be, you know, to have that experience. And, that's the whole you know, winery hospitality experience just yeah. the don't the only can exist there so it's yeah. so special yeah yeah and we're i think you know we're really fortunate to have 
a region like the Okanagan, the Similkameen, Vancouver Island, you know, it's it's literally at our doorstep. And when you get there, it's like a pinball game of wineries. It's like ding, 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 ding. There's so many of them. And, and I like the camaraderie in the Okanagan too, you know, winemakers working with each other and sharing, you know, even equipment and whatever. But, you know, there's a lot of, it, it seems like a lot of, friendly co-work happening together and you know you go to not and I've hardly ever traveled but I know wine regions in some parts of the world you can drive for a long time and that vineyard is owned by this company and that vineyard is owned by this and there's you know you can drive for an hour and not see another winery yeah you know and here it's like we've got all these little mom and pop shops all over the place it's you know, and everybody's got their story to tell. And, you know, to me, that is what really makes the Okanagan special. It's very diverse. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Totally. Yeah. Time to get there soon. Hopefully you can make it there this year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try for September. Got it. Yeah. It's my, my dream and wish. Well, listen, brother, we are almost at time here. You've been very, very generous with your time, especially on this afternoon today when you've got a brunch service going on right now. I trust that your team is all well and good in the training that you've you've given them. I just well, I want to finish off here. Like you mentioned camaraderie. You're in a very unique situation yourself where the the physicalness of camaraderie just given the isolation of where Tofino is not to mention the rest of everything that's gone on in the last little while but for you to establish and maintain yourself as a leader within the province in wine what you do for your team what you do for the community of wine I, w- I want to know like, I, I imagine that the everybody that could be listening just has been kind of in their own version of an isolated Tofino over the last, well, maybe not quite as pretty, but you know what I mean? Like there, there's, there's yeah. a, the sense of isolation that you almost experience as yeah. part of what you've committed to. So I'd love to hear just for yourself, like how do you like keep up the, the, your drive to generating of energy for you as a leader, for you as, as, as someone that's doing something, making a difference in yeah. this world for, for wine and would love to hear maybe other people do something. In it. Yeah. Excellent question, you know, and, and a difficult question too, but you know, for me, there's a couple of things and, and one is just sharing it with our team, you know, creating, trying to create these training programs, working really closely with our bartenders and our sommelier team, you know, to me that, you know, it's not, it, that gives me, energy and drive to do more you know because I see the excitement in them I feed off of that hopefully I impart some of that too but it's the fun you know that's the fun side of the job and let's have as much fun with it as we can and and really just keep those connections going and you know Tofino is quite a ways from Vancouver and you know it it's it's about making lasting relationships and being respectful you know I I didn't go to the Okanagan when I didn't think it was appropriate for me to even ask the question hey do you mind if I come in and taste some barrel samples like Mm. you know I I just told everyone I'm not going to be able to make it this year and I hope that's okay I'm you know I I 
you know, at 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 my heart, you know, I East Coasters are very friendly people. I like to think I am, and very genuine people. I like to think I am, uh, um, but you know, I I like to really make meaningful connections, and you know, to me, those connections doesn't mean you have to see each other all the time. You don't have to connect with each other all the time. You just all you have to do is is know that it's there, and the next time will just be like the last time, you know, and, and those are important for me. And, you know, with wine particularly, I, I try to, you know, make smart choices for the property and smart choices for, you know, what I believe in quality and so on. But, you know, working with people that I have a lot of respect for and, you know, admire and, and I see, you know, what, they have accomplished and it's like okay well i like to be part of good things and you know so i i try to focus on that a little bit but at the core it's it's relationships and it's it's the friends you know that you make and it's those connections that you make and you know even though i'm i'm buying wine i'm you know it's a it's a financial transaction it's a business arrangement but the people I buy wine from, I consider to be friends, you know, and if if I have to make a decision on our wine list where I'm, okay, I'm running this by the glass for a while, if I change it, I phone everyone that I'm talking, everyone that I'm working with, and I just say, hey, so-and-so, you know, we've had this on the list for a long time, it's been running by the glass, but we want to make a switch, I want to support a few other people, and, you know, I tell them, you know why I'm doing it, and it, I I wish I could keep everybody on by the glass for as long as I could, but you know you you just can't, and you want to share you know share as much as we can, and a lot of people want to be on the Wiccan Inish wine list, and you know but we don't have enough space to buy wine from every single winery, and you know you have to you do have to make those hard decisions, but again you know I like to have a connection with everyone that I'm working with and everyone I buy wine from, so if I do have to take something off the list or in the rare event that there's something off with the wine, I can phone and have a conversation and say, hey, this has been my experience rather than it being a dollars and cents game. And, you know, wine is about people. And, and to me, it's, you know, it's, it's the story in a bottle. It's that person in a bottle. And, you know, that, that I think is, you know, what, what, and this is difficult, you know, like not being able to go to the wine shows like that's I make my connections, you know, it's not like I can just cross the street, go into a different town, you know, can't go anywhere right now. So it's, you know, but like I say, you make those connections and the next time that we meet is the same as the last time that we met before, you know, it's just, just time has gone by and, but it, yeah. yeah, it's the people you know, and trying to just be a nice person. <laughs> be a nice person. <laughs> That's what keeps you going. That's right. what keeps Making you going. those connections. Yeah, your, your yeah. genuineness and generosity, Ike, is so, it's, it's such an inspiration. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. You can feel yeah. it all the way over here in, in downtown Vancouver. There's a pull, there's a pull toward Tofino, and it's really clear. We can, we can see why. Thank you. Look, we have lots lots more to catch up on at some point maybe in yep. person maybe like this again 
Yeah, 100%. Again, I just thank, thank you. Thanks for everything you do there. The story that you've told is um, somebody can locate themselves somewhere in that story and somewhere along your hospitality pathway. I honestly never expected that story to have so many different turns and milestones and places <laughs> in it. <laughs> it's going to be like its own supplementary episode of, did you know this about Ike's <laughs> What the journey yeah. was from east to west, it's longer yeah. than you think, and with more and more stops along the way, which I'm sure we didn't even get into some no. of the most, uh, uh, some of the other stuff that would have happened in that beaten up, yeah, crushed pop can kind of a vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> so, another time, sir, we'll be yeah. waiting with uh, yeah. 100%. pallets to catch up over that. Yeah, and then next time I can actually make it to the city and we're allowed to, uh, you know, hang out with people who don't live in the same house, I'll, uh, we can maybe share a glass of wine together. Would love it. Yeah, cool. Well, I really appreciate you, you know, considering me for this and thinking of me. I'm very honored to, to you know, spend time chatting with you and uh, I'm thankful that, uh, and hopefully my story is, you know, interesting and, and you know, has something for someone in it along the way <laughs> it, it was going long i'm like but i can't i can't cut it off like we got to complete this thing it's, it's great really really great again I, it's so so enriching i think just it's not even expected that it would be so enriching to hear everybody's story with all of those nuances along the way you think you know somebody like you think you know yeah. someone to some degree but then stuff like this is like wow this is this whole thing is is richer than I even could have ever thought. Cool. So thank you, thank you for your time. Get yep, back to your team. Yeah, thank, thank them as well for, for yep. away for a while. That will do. All right. Okay. Talk to you soon, Mike. Thanks yep, very much. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Somcast, produced by the BC chapter of the Canadian Association of Professional Sommeliers. Get in touch with us. We welcome your feedback, or if you want to be on the show, or if you have ideas for future shows that would interest you, you can email me, Jason Yamasaki, at jy at jwine.ca. Cheers, and thanks for listening.